This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse source, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about how to reach your full potential as a rider, whether you compete or ride just for fun. Our guest this week is Anka Johnson, an equestrian health coach who helps riders reach their potential both on horseback and in everyday life. Anka is going to give us some insight into how to get you closer to that perfect ride. We'll talk to her right after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon Horsin' Around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we are talking to equestrian health coach, Anka Johnson. Anka, welcome to the show. Thank you, Audrey. Tell me about what it is that you do. Sure, Audrey. Um, yeah, my official title is a, is a health and life coach, and what I've decided to do is I've decided to work specifically with equestrians, so with the horseback rider, um, just simply because it's, it's also a passion of mine, and so I really come from a place of knowing when it comes to helping the rider to get really the ride of their life, both in and out of the saddle. And in a nutshell, really what I help riders to do as a coach is I help them to have time with their horse and to be able to do some of the things with their horse that they may not be able to do right now, be it either physically, mentally, or emotionally, um, and certainly if they're limited in any of those ways. And um, I think, you know, a good example, I, I'm, a, I'm a big story person, so I think a, big, a good example for this would be... Um, a fellow health coach of mine uh, was working with a student, and um, with that student, they were tutoring that student who was getting pretty much D's and F's all the time. And just through doing, just through working with that student and having that accountability and that support for that student, uh, very quickly, the student was able to start getting A's. And and that's really what coaching is about. Coaching is about um, addressing a lot of the normal concerns that people have in their everyday life 
And it's really a relationship-based um, helping modality that helps people to give them the support, give them the accountability that they need so that they can move forward and really get straight A's in life. Okay. So what are the most crucial elements in achieving a life balance so you can enjoy your horse? Well, I think, you know, it, as I mentioned, it starts with awareness. And sometimes when people have some kind of awareness around a problem, let's say it's, um, well, let's say it's fear of cantering, for instance. So mm-hmm. the confidence isn't there. Uh, they're very fearful of cantering. And I can use this as a personal example, too, because um, I was presented with a very challenging horse about nine years ago who is now uh, my buddy, Murphy. And um, we used to never be able to canter. In fact, he was the type of horse that would um, that would run away and buck and pretty much do everything to resist the rider as opposed to uh, ride with the rider. And so, of course, through all of that and through many uh, accidents and incidents, um, I certainly developed a confidence issue when it came to cantering. So really what it starts with is, is that awareness and, and admitting that there is some kind of an issue. So using that example of cantering, <clears throat> um, what you know, the next thing that you would need is you would need some kind of a roadmap. You need to know where you want to go. That's probably the first thing, is, is where do you want to ultimately go? And then how are you going to get there from point A to point B? So that's where the plan, the roadmap comes in. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you look at, um, again, because coaching is very relationship-based, it's very coactive. It's between, you know, the coach and the client. And it's not just the coach telling the client what to do, but it's more so the coach and the client together figuring out what is going to be the best pathway for the client to take and what's going to fit into their lifestyle. How is it going to work for them? So that, that individual roadmap, um, once you have that established, it's, it's quite easy. It's literally going step by step. What is it that we need to do next? And, and if you take that uh, old example of, you know, how do you, how do you eat an elephant while well, you eat it one bite at a time? It's literally taking, you know, that one toenail and then the next toenail and then maybe start on the foot. So, when you start working through that process, when you start going down that road that you've created, um, you pick up a lot of knowledge and you pick up a lot of information. And very often, it is a it's a it's a it's a, it's a road of self discovery about yourself, really who mm-hmm. you are and how you work. Right. And um, really, it comes back down to knowing your strengths and your own values and what are those. And as long as you are honoring those strengths and those values then you really become a powerful force to be reckoned with. Yeah, as you move through that that roadway, that pathway, you end up kind of making mini goals along the way. But ultimately, you end up with that ultimate goal that you were striving for. On your website, you pose some questions to riders to help them determine if they need help. One of those questions was, uh, is your horse as happy to see you as you are to see him? Let's talk about that. Okay, yeah, um, that's that is a that's a very that's a very interesting. I'll call it a conundrum. Um, <laughs> very, yeah, very often, you know, you will see uh, people who are going to the barn and they're all ready to ride their horse, and they go out into the pasture to catch their horse, and it really becomes a catching game with the horse and the rider. And very often, the horse is running away. Sometimes it's it's literally a game that the horse is playing, but. Other times, it's a, it's a real key indicator that your horse is letting you know that they would rather be spending time with their buddies out in the pasture rather than with you. 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that can come down to so many different things. It can come down to literally just not having a pleasurable ride with the horse, but more so it's a time for the rider to look at themselves and ask themselves the question, what's going on here? Why is my horse not happy to see me? And uh, very often it comes down to, again, are you the leader for your horse? In other words, are you there for your horse so that the horse can say, uh, oh, great, my leader is here. I'm ready to go with my leader as opposed to staying with the herd. So that would that would kind of tap into that fear and confidence. Do you get um, into training issues, helping people train their horses? Not really. I mean, I do I do really work with, um, I work with, with more of a natural approach to horsemanship. So there are several folks that I, I aspire to, and that would be Pat Pirelli and um, some, of the, some of the other natural horsemen. Um, Mark Rashid is another one that I work with, John Lyons. Mm-hmm. So um, let's see, who else? Tracy Porter is another one. Jane Savoy as well from the dressage perspective. I like to do dressage. So just taking things really from the horse's point of view. And I think when we start to work with ourselves, we really don't have a choice but to also work with the horse as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do refer people to, since I do all of my coaching over the phone, and I do have clients that are uh, in Canada and all over the United States, it's just not practical for me to be working with the the horse as well from from the training perspective. I do you give advice to horse owners on how to handle their horses? To a certain extent. Um, uh-huh. Definitely for the safety of the rider. And also, again, for the, um, for, the, for, the, for the betterment of the horse, for the dignity of the horse. So if there's something that, that, is, that is very apparent to me that might be going on between horse and rider, then I will give them uh, maybe some advice as to what kind of a trainer they might be looking for that may be able to help them with that situation mm. from the horse training perspective. Right, okay. There's another question you had on your website. Do you want to be strong and lean enough to ride bareback? Tell me about that. Yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of riders don't know really how important and how much our own physical fitness helps with our ride. And it really comes down to the core, the rider's core strength. Um, so it's, it's as, as we know as riders, it's not how strong your legs are. That has nothing to do with it. It has to do with your balance. And that comes from, uh, from your core strength as a rider. And really when you're talking about riding bareback, if you think about it, you're talking about really that's where you're working with your own balance point and the horse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the strength, the core strength, then you will become fatigued pretty quickly and you're going to start to rely on your horse in ways that your horse may not enjoy so much. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And that's one of the reasons, again, why your horse may not be running to you when you come to the pasture, Mm -hmm. when you come to spend some time with your horse. Because really, it's a team perspective for you and your horse to be able to ride to both of your fullest capabilities and your best Mm -hmm. capabilities. Okay. Now, there's another uh, point you have that I know a lot of people can relate to, and that is, are you frustrated that you don't have time to spend with your horse, let alone ride him? And that's probably one of the saddest things that I see is that, you know, you have someone who has the passion for the horse, who has the horse, maybe even in their own yard, so maybe even on their own farm or farmette, um, and yet they really don't have the time to spend with them. And I think that comes down to what has happened in our society as far as time management and again that life balance comes into play 
So what that really is about is it's about looking at um, really the foundation that I teach riders as far as coaching is concerned, and that foundation includes how to prioritize your life. And it, it extends so much further than the ride, than the horseback ride, but what happens is spending time with your horse. But what happens is you look at what are all the things that are on your plate and how many plates are you actually juggling in the air and mm-hmm. how many times do those plates fall and when they fall, what happens? What, what's, the, what's the consequence of maybe the other plates that are still in the air? And what we do is we look at um, how to prioritize your life so that you can get that and it's truly guilt-free time to ride mm-hmm. so that you are actually having fun and you're actually there in the present time with your horse when you are spending that time with them. And I, And I think, again, that brings me back to, is your horse happy to see you? You know, if you go to the barn and you're you're frantic about, you know, thinking about all the other things that you have to do in the day or you've only got a half hour to spend with them, so you're just really quickly moving around them, horses sense that. They pick that up. And so they're really not enjoying their time with you either. Uh, And you're really not in fully present and and enjoying the time with your horse at that time. So it's getting the rider to have that guilt-free time to ride and to spend time with their horse, whatever they want to do. Well, that kind of leads into the next question that I noticed on your site, which says, does your horse tense up or resist you when you're riding? Yeah. Yeah, and that comes in that, I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that come into play there. And, you know, I mentioned in the beginning the physical, the mental, and the the emotional. So it really comes into play with everything that we've already talked about. Physically, are you there with your horse? Are you relying on your horse? Are you heavier on on your forehand, if you will, so that the horse cannot move? And is that because maybe um, there's a weight management issue or maybe you are sore in your back or your knees? And for that reason, you can't really find your balance point very well. Um, Uh You have a chronic illness that's causing you pain um, or, again, weakness so that you're not being being able to balance. Uh And, again, horses will pick up on that. And if if they're not allowed to move freely, then they are going to be the same way we would be, which is they're going to tense up. Uh And then mentally, again, you know, are you fully present with your horse? Are you there with him? Or are you thinking about the the three or ten or twenty other things that you have to be doing next? Mm-hmm. Um, and then emotionally, are you confident on your horse? If you're not confident, um, you know, you, the the reins are, are literally this telegraph line to your horse that are telling your horse, you know, Ooh, you don't have a you don't have a confident leader with you. So mm-hmm. you had better take the leadership role. And that's very often when you start having things like running away and bucking and not cantering and, and all of those good things. So right. all of that leads into what we've been talking about. Okay. We're going to take a break and we'll be back soon to talk more to Anka. Why the long face? <laughs> I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, 
we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Hi, welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to equestrian health coach, Anka Johnson. Anka, there was something I noticed on your website that kind of um, I think a lot of listeners can relate to, and that's as you get older, you start to, your fear issues start to, or fear issues start to become something that you have to deal with. At least that's been my experience. When I was a kid, I get on, fall off, climb back on, no big deal. You know, now I fall off. I talk about it for a year, but the day I fell <laughs> off, you know. So, <laughs> so one of the questions on your site that you recommend people ask themselves are, are you more worried about falling off your horse or getting hurt than you used to be? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of the people that I work with are women mostly, and they're women that are of childbearing age. And so I think what happens, you know, um, when you when you have a child or when you start a family, um, you do start to think a lot more about your family and, 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 you know, how that's how your health is going to affect them. Um, and then just I think as we age, we start to, we do, we lose that fearlessness. We lose that Oh, there's another word for it that I'm trying to think of here. But we lose that ability to just not worry about the consequence, I think, of what's going to mm-hmm. happen if we fall off. So even mm-hmm. if we've fallen off maybe 10 or 20 or 100 times, that doesn't matter. But as we age, too, we just don't handle those bumps and bruises as, as, as well as we used to. Yeah. And so, we, yeah, we have, we, have, so we have that physical component where we're hurting more. And, um, and then also we have the mental component where we just, as you said, you know, we, we belabor the thought of, oh, my goodness, we fell off mm-hmm. and uh, what could have happened. So we think a lot about what could have happened or what could happen. Mm-hmm. And I think it's almost the fear of, of the unknown that takes over. Mm. And so we tend to get a lot more, a lot more tense than we used to be. And in situations where we may have been able to be a lot more relaxed, uh, you know, as you mentioned, like a kid, I remember doing the same thing, jumping bareback, bridalless in a pasture and just going, woohoo, you know, yep. <laughs> um, just being able to do that. I mean, we just don't even think about doing something like that anymore um, because we think about, oh, what if, what if, what if. And so, again, if we can address that, if we can, if we can look at why is it that we, that we have to manifest the fear of the consequence when that consequence might not even ever happen, why do we have to go there? So again, it comes with the it comes with the self confidence as a rider, and then working again physically to make sure that you are a strong and able rider, and working emotionally to make sure that you are feeling confident when you're on your horse, so that you are taking that leadership role. Mm-hmm. What I always find hard to sort of put together is there is the reality that you could fall off and get seriously hurt or even killed, and when you're a kid, you don't even almost know that. But as an adult, you know people who've gotten hurt, you've heard stories, you, you just have the awareness. And then how do you, you know, put that aside when you get on? And especially if you're dealing with a horse that, like, I have a green horse who does stupid things now and then. And, you know, you, uh, it's almost like a healthy fear in a sense because you need mm-hmm. to be aware. So how do you balance being aware and not, but yet not being so afraid that you're, you're crippled by it? That's a great question, Andre, and I, I think the easiest way to say that is work smart. 
And that's where, that's where you know, you mentioned um, in the beginning, do I help people with training issues? Well, if, if someone came to me with the situation that you just, just described, you know, it's a green horse, um, you're a little bit older, so you're thinking about what those consequences might be, and the, the horse is doing stupid things, and I can just imagine. <laughs> I know what they do, those young Oh, kids. yeah. So, you know, I would, I would recommend that you work with someone who uh, is working with you and your horse on the ground mm-hmm. so that the confidence is built between you and your horse on the ground where both you and your horse are safe, but where both you and your, and your horse are building that confidence. And then as you start to ride... Uh, you again, you make sure that you are physically ready for it, that you are emotionally ready for it, and that you're in areas that are going to be less apt to cause accidents that may, again, seriously injure you or kill you. Because yeah, let's let's look at this. Fear is a very healthy and and great thing to have. Uh, without it, we would um, yeah. I mean, think about <laughs> think about all the. The, the, the accidents that we could get into. So we definitely need to listen to our gut, and I think that's a really important thing um, that I share with people is if you feel like at any time you ever need to get off your horse, get off. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about what other people are going to say or think. That's immaterial. Your mm-hmm. fear is a healthy place for you to be. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we start working with fear and confidence, one of the things that we start working with are thresholds. Where are those thresholds for you where you go from feeling okay about an activity to starting to feel that fear and that apprehension. And Mm -hmm. we start to work with something called advance and retreat, where you advance as far as you feel comfortable doing, and then you retreat when you start feeling that threshold getting to you and and you start feeling very fearful. Mm -hmm. So we never push you to the point where there could be that accident or that really serious injury that would happen. So we really work, we work smart is really where that comes in. Right. And, you know, where I live, I live in Southern California in an equestrian community called Norco and, uh, or a town called Norco. And I do a lot of trail riding and we have street trails here. So mm-hmm. we have bridle paths along the street. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of people in this town that deal with serious fear issues because if something goes wrong, you're not just out in a field where, okay, you might hit your head on a rock, but here you can hit your head on the pavement, get run over by a car, and, you know, I mean, there's like 20 things that could happen to you all at the same time. So, um, you know, when you talk about a safe area and stuff, there's, you know, like what I do, it's hard to find that. I mean, you get on your horse and there's a big leap of faith when you go out there on the street and start riding. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, we would look at the individual situation and we would see what kind of, um, what kind of opportunities do we have out there where we can make it safe? So um, just, you know, again, without kind of going through and coaching right now, but I would ask you, you know, uh, ha- what have you done in the past that has made you feel fearful or that has mm-hmm. made that person feel like it's this great big leap of faith? So just like you said, you know, leap of faith, I look at that and I look at trying to swallow the elephant all at once. Right. So, you know, how can we how can we eat just that little piece? So what would that look like? Maybe does that look like leading your horse on that bridle path on the ground? Back mm-hmm. and forth and back and forth and back and forth until literally you and your horse are going, Oh my goodness, this is so not an issue. Mm-hmm. And so maybe the next time is it is it literally getting on and off? So are there areas 
as you're going along that bridal path that are a little bit more challenging or that cause you more apprehension. So can you ride 10 feet out and then get off and walk past those areas and then get back on? Mm-hmm. Are those some things that you could do? Certainly, obviously, always having having a buddy with you who has the old steady Eddie, you know, who is just mm-hmm. uh, bomb proof, as we like to call them. So, is that a good horse? Can you be? Can you be what I like to call the cream filling in the middle of the Oreo cookie? So, being <laughs> in the right. middle of two bomb proof horses, where right. if right. there is an incident that happens, it's going to be it's going to be minimal at best. Mm-hmm. So again, looking at approach and retreat, what can we do to minimize the danger, to minimize the fear, and to increase, always increase the confidence as you're going through a situation like that? Right. Okay. And another thing I wanted to talk to you about is, that I thought was really interesting on your site, the question, are you starting to feel too old to ride the way you want to? <laughs> I can relate to that one, obviously. (laughs) And I just have to laugh because uh, I'm 45 years old and I had a child late in life when I was 40 or 39. And um, I would say I probably had my biggest awakening after having that child and having gained that typical 10, 15 pounds that you gain Mm -hmm. when you have a child and then trying to take it off. And I think that's where, you know, are you starting to feel too old to ride? And it really comes, that really comes back to the physical. I think, again, in our society, we accept too readily that just because you are aging, there are certain things that are happening with your body and you should just accept that and then go on and limit yourself. And that's really not the case. You have to look at yourself as an individual and see what are you willing to do. Again, what fits in your lifestyle what are you willing to do? Uh, what fits into your pocketbook? And where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Do you want to be the type of person who is 55 and running 10 miles and you know three times a week and not even worrying about it? My neighbor does that. He's in his 50s and you know runs 10 miles about three times a week and and he enjoys doing that. Or are you the type of person? who wants to be active in climbing mountains in their 60s and even in their 70s. So it really depends on what it is that you want to do because really, biologically, we are always going to age. Chronologically, we can do something about it. And -hmm. I think that's the important thing is is what do you want to do and what does your lifestyle allow you to do? So again, Mm -hmm. it really comes back to those priorities. And I think, too, it's not buying into this notion that society has that you're too old to ride. I, I went. I have a back issue, and I went to a uh, an orthopedic surgeon to have it evaluated and find out what was going on there. And when I told him, you know, what the symptoms were, and I said, and it hurts, you know, when I ride, you know, especially when I'm in the saddle doing blah blah blah. And I think I was uh, I was probably in my late 40s at the time that I had this conversation with him. He looked at me and he said, "What makes you think you should be riding a horse at your age?" And um, I said, see ya. (laughs) And I walked out of there because, you know, if I had bought into that, I wouldn't be riding anymore. You know, he's the doctor, you know, he should know, right? But I think there's just a sense in society that when you get to a certain age, you shouldn't be on a horse. You shouldn't be messing around up there. Right. And and we should accept the aches and pains that come with quote-unquote age. And Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's where, again, you have to look at, what is it that you want to do, and what's your current state of physical fitness? And it's not that you have to be—it's not that you have to be a Michael Phelps, or you have to be, right. 
you know, of Olympic caliber in any sort of in any sort of way. But what type of physical health do you need to be in? What kind of strength do you need to have? What kind of endurance do you need to have to be able to do the things that bring you pleasure in life? Mm-hmm. And again, because we look at we, you know, because I I focus on the equestrian um, things like exactly your back, your knees. Uh, chronic health issues such as a lot of autoimmune disorders, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia. I work with a lot of people with, with arthritic issues. You don't need to limit yourself because of arthritis. There are things that you can do, but again, what do you want to do? What are you willing to do mm-hmm. uh, in order to be able to have that lifestyle that you are looking to have? And hopefully right. that riding is part of that. So. Right. Unfortunately, Anka, <laughs> we're uh, we're running out of time, but I want to thank you for being our guest uh, this week. I learned a lot, and I hope people will go check out your website to learn more about what you do. And the website is www.naturalsolutionsbyanka.com, and it's loaded with helpful information. If you have any questions or comments out there about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. Until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsing Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.